Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome once again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. Now, the other day while walking my dog around my neighborhood, which incidentally has been characterized by at least three real estate websites as up and coming. I live in in an up and coming neighborhood. Anyway, while walking my dog along my up and coming neighborhood with my quaint yet slightly rundown commercial thoroughfare. And if you're not familiar with Los Angeles, you may not know that quaint yet slightly run down is a euphemism for avenue with with two or more nail salons and a, and a coffee shop with couches and a 24-hour bodega that closes at 11. Anyway, I was walking my dog the other day along this, this boulevard, this boulevard of broken, wet dreams, at least from the, a contractor's point of view. I, 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 I was walking down this boulevard and I noticed a handwritten sign posted clumsily on, a, on, on the window of my favorite, my favorite cupcake store. And in bold, bold blue letters, it read, and I quote, no loitering or unauthorized quilting. Now, in retrospect, I'm sure I read that wrong, but but you see, it just shows that there's hope. I mean, there's hope for poetry. Poetry is not dead. Poetry will never die. And as long, as long as human beings have the capacity to misspell and misread, poetry will continue, continue to thrive. And, 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 and speaking of misreading. Have, have, have you heard of this thing called um, wiki quotes? And am I the only person out there that is so thoroughly exhausted by the current promiscuous use of, of citations? I mean, it seems like every ordinary idea must include the added I don't know, the added octane of an unearned, reflected glow of some inspirational quote. Full-page ads from multinational petroleum companies justify their planetary abuse with decontextualized quips from, I don't know, from, from, uh, from Tolstoy or, 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 or Emerson. I, <laughs> I even saw one the other day with a Woody Guthrie line, something about exploring for oil offshore because this land was made for you and me. Now, editorialists, now they bring a Beckett every time they observe that contemporary life is a series of unsatisfying attainments. Waiting for Gatto has devolved into waiting for, I don't know, waiting for happiness or or waiting for economic stability or waiting for Super Bowl 56, waiting, 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 waiting for this and that and, and, (laughs) When the subject of, of resilience comes up, I mean, forget about it. It's always Maya Angelou and Mary Oliver and uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti and Albert Einstein. You hear Lucille Ball. You'll, 
You hear Mae West, Soupy Sales, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, Gandhi, of course. Enough already. Enough. When, <laughs> when some corporate CEO starts bringing up Helen Keller and Soren Kierkegaard while encouraging employees toward greater productivity, you know they've been spending way too much time online looking for synonyms for the word effortful. Is that even a word, effortful? I guess it is, but it, it, it's, it's a strange word, effortful. It just doesn't, it does, try saying it. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't, effortful, effort, effortful, effortful. Anyway, it's beyond dispute that the democratization of fake erudition has made legitimately smart people pretty cynical. And I see no end to this mockery. I mean, like Chioran famously wrote. Chioran. E.M. Chioran, the Romanian philosopher living in Paris, total pessimist, total bummer, known for his dark yet hysterically funny aphorisms. Chioran. Anyway, Chioran put it this way. He said, why abandon the game? when there remain so many of us to disappoint. And, 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 and speaking of game, you might, you might counter this cynicism by calling me defeatist, by reminding me that it's, that it's not over till it's over, or it's not over until the fat lady sings. And, 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 and if I have to hear for the zillionth time that art is the lie, that reveals the truth, I'm gonna have a fit. Enough, 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 enough. I mean, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. I'm not a crook, I am a jelly donut, I'll walk down to the Capitol with you. Now, presidential quotes, that's a whole nother category. I could devote an entire podcast to that, but anyway, what was I talking about? And. <laughs> What was I talking about? What was I talking about? And what does it have to do with contemporary art? Good question. To which I have no ready answer. Probably because I don't have my Bartlett's familiar quotations in front of me. But if I did, I might say something citing, I don't know, uh, say, I don't know, how about Stefan Mallarmé, who said that words have enough strength to resist the aggression of ideas. I might say that. But I wouldn't because it's pretentious because coming from me, it rings, it rings false. I'm not clever enough to come up with something like that. That's why I'm a podcaster and not a French symbolist poet. Oh, oh, I can hear it already. Yes, I can hear it already. The chorus of compassionate, supportive replies. Oh, Timmy, you're so clever. Don't be so hard on yourself. We know you've read a couple of books. You might have come by that quote honestly. And maybe, maybe I did. Maybe I did, but that doesn't change anything. The internet has made all my note-taking, all my marginalia, all my bookmarks, all my thick coffee-stained journals. The internet, the wiki world, has made all that homework not only superfluous, but comical, but, but, but comical and cute and, 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 and old. But don't worry, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm not about to write any books. I'm gonna stick to this 
short form, the the 10 minute podcast episode. I'm perfectly suited for this. Anything else, anything more serious? Well, anything more serious is, it's a laborious madness uh, and an impoverishing one. The, The madness of composing vast books, no. The better way to go about it is to pretend that all those books already exist and offer a summary, a commentary on them. I think that's a that's a good and fair compromise, but unfortunately that wasn't me talking. <laughs> that was Borges. That business about laborious madness, you think I could have come up with that? You see how stinking easy this all is? A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you wanna know a secret? Most of the time when artists do this type of appropriation, it goes unattributed. They just claim it as their own and hope with good reason that nobody will notice. They even gave this type of thing a name. They call it, they call it pastiche, which sounds like something you, you might get at a French bakery. But actually, up until about 10 years ago, if you use that word, that word pastiche, as some sort of, I don't know, hip art theory sheboleth, it, it probably could have gotten you into a graduate school, but not anymore. No, 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 no. I think these days you're better off with something like, I don't know, uh, the aesthetic structure of popular sovereignty. That might work better these days. Anyway, the truth is none of this really matters. And to fold this whole diatribe up in a neat little philosophical origami, let me remind you, let me remind you what the New York critic Spark Boone wrote several years ago in his seminal essay on the lasting importance of Giorgio Vasari. He said, after all the paint dries and the kilns have cooled down, after the northern lights turn fluorescent and the hard drives are driven into the degraded ground, nobody in their right mind is going to give a rat's ass about the lives of contemporary artists.